With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy for another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Um, you know, last night we we wanted to jump on, get an early podcast going this week. A, a big win for the Knicks as they crushed the Milwaukee Bucks by a final score of one thirty to one ten. One of those scores where everybody that didn't watch the game was probably like making sure it wasn't an error. You know, like just shocked to see. I, I hosted a, a morning radio show today. I filled in for one of my friends who was out, and I do a segment called The Score Desk, and it's just exactly what it is. You just read the scores. And I had a caller come in and ask me, did I read that wrong? Was that a joke? And I was like, no, it wasn't. The New York Knicks pummeled them, and it was great to see. Uh, so, of course, we are going to talk a little bit about that game. We'll talk about the first few games as well, some of the things that me and Chip have kind of seen and what we look to see improve in this next uh, stretch of games. I got Cleveland coming up tomorrow. This is Monday. Um, so Tuesday night they play Cleveland. They also take on the Raptors. So they got a pretty tough stretch of games uh, coming up here, and that's just how it is. It's a brutal part of the schedule early on. They didn't go easy on the Knicks, as many fans probably know by now by looking at the schedule. So, you know, before – We kind of jump into last night, the excitement of last night, just some of the thoughts that I have on this team uh, through the first three games. And, you know, the story was pretty much the exact same thing the first two nights. Uh, First half, I I won't say a great first half because, yeah, we put up some points, we scored points, we shot the ball well, the ball was moving, all that good stuff. Uh, Defensively, we, we had some issues, especially inside the paint. We got carved up by Simbonis and Embiid. They just simply had their way with us down low, and we just didn't have an answer for them. They put ridiculous numbers up, uh, and that's something that kind of hurt us in those games. You know, like I said, first half, offensively of those games, I thought the Knicks played pretty well. Ball movement, you know, open three-point shots that they were hitting. Uh, second half, different story. Those shots started stopped falling. Uh, you could tell the Indiana, you could tell Philadelphia, they picked up their defense intensity in the game. And I think the story is similar in both those games, as I said, that really we got no guard play, right? Like we, we got nothing from nobody that was running the point guard position. You started off with Peyton, and boy, was he awful in the first two games. And I'm thinking like, I can't watch this. We got to get this guy out. They throw in Dennis Smith Jr. It's even worse. It's like, you got to be kidding me. They throw in Frank Nielakina late in, in that first game, especially, which I've seen some fans were not happy about how they put him in a tough situation. But the reality is when your number's called, you got to be ready. He didn't really give us anything. And then there was times in those games where 
We've seen either Barrett bring the ball up. Alex Burke was bringing the ball up at times. That's not a natural fit for either one of those guys. Can they do it? Like Barrett, I know, did it last year at times. Could he do it from time to time in small little spurts? Probably. Still not his primary position. That's not what we want. And you can kind of see when teams picked up their defensive pressure and when we got out of whack offensively, Chip, we, to me, we just didn't have a guard to kind of get things back going, get them in their offensive set, open some things up. We were getting production out of nobody those first two games, especially Alfred Payton, who was a starter. And it was awful to watch. It was cringeworthy. And I think everybody on Nick Twitter, Nick Facebook, everybody was just bashing Alfred Payton of how bad he was in those first two games. To his credit, you know, the reports come out that after that Philly game, he goes back out to the gym. He put in a lot of work, getting extra shots off, wanting to turn it around. And boy, was he phenomenal in that Milwaukee Buck game. It seems like everything that he was putting up was going in. Looked a lot more confident that he wasn't just aiming a shot. He was actually shooting the ball, getting in the lane, floating it up. Everything that he was doing was working. And it was beautiful to watch because you can see, at least in my opinion, Chip, how much better of a team they are when they get production out of the point guard position. At times, Milwaukee made a little bit of a push, right? They started coming back. You know, it was 20 points. Next, you know, it was like a 10-point lead. And you start to think to yourself, oh, God, here we go again. We've seen this picture before. The Knicks blew several big leads last year, right? But what pushed them back, I felt was, obviously, there's other guys that contributed, but I felt like it was a guard play all night that kind of kept pushing them back, kept us in the lead. It wasn't just Peyton. Frank Nielakina came off the bench, and he did exactly – all that I ask him to do is to hit the open shot. I don't even need him to go four for four from behind the arc every night like he did against the, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. All I need him to do is consistently hit those shots. He did that. Both guard play was great. I mean, we talked about Julius Randle. We weren't really – my thing on him is I know he's a good player. I know he does things well doesn't seem like he's a fit though with this team doesn't feel feel like he's that number one option that we should be going through but to his credit he's been great this the start of this season it's only three games in I understand that but three games don't see as much turnovers from him see a lot better decision making yeah at times it gets a little sloppy here and there but it's nowhere near the rate as it was last year so those are the kind of things that kind of stick out to me when things start to go a little haywire for this offense, it's not always just having that go-to score. That helps. But I think with this team, we need production from our guards. We need to get those guys. You know, you think back to that 2013 season, Chip. Yeah, we had, we had some great players on that team, obviously. But we had a 40-year-old point guard in Jason Kidd. Why was he productive? Not so much that he was a great shooter. We talked about that. Guy couldn't hit freaking water if he fell out of a boat that season. But the one thing that always helped was when the Knicks offense got a little out of whack, they threw him out there, he got that offense running again and started getting them better shots. That is kind of what we need from our point guards from here on out, and I think that showed against Milwaukee. The question is, is this going to last? Was this just a fluke? Was it just one night of fun? That's what I'm going to be looking forward to seeing against Cleveland on Tuesday is how do our guards respond again? Can Peyton do it again? Look, he's not going to score 27 points every game. I know that. Everybody here should know that. You should not expect him to do that. 
but we don't need him to necessarily do that. We just need him to play consistently. Same thing from whoever's getting those backup minutes in Frank Nielakina. Other than that, I really liked what I've seen from the Knicks in these three games. I know they lost the first two. I know the games kind of got away from them, but they were positives that you can take from each of those games. It wasn't, you know, the Philadelphia game kind of got really sloppy at the end. It was kind of like, oh, this is the kind of crap that I hate sitting through and I hate watching. Um, so there was still some of that. But you go look in that first half, you saw some positive things. Same thing in the Indianapolis game uh, or the Indiana game, excuse me. Um, so we, we are doing things at least positive at some point during the game. It was nice to see them do for four quarters against Milwaukee. And that's a big-time team. That's, that's a team that won the East. They had the MVP on that team, and the Knicks outplayed them. It wasn't, to me, Chip, a game where Milwaukee just had their off night. They weren't – you know, they, did they have a little bit of an off night? Yeah, sure. There was guys missing some shots that were good looks that just didn't fall for them. But at the same time, this was not one of those things where you can give the – just take away the credit from the Knicks. The Knicks outplayed them. The Knicks outworked them. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. And it's made me excited, probably the most excited after a, a win that I've been in a long time. And that included wins against Brzingis last year a couple of times. I went to bed night a happy freaking man. And I can't tell you the last time that was with the Knicks where I can't wait to Tuesday night. What are some of your thoughts, Chip? No, Milwaukee definitely had an off night. They went 7 of 38 on three. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt guys were missing shots. But the Knicks outplayed yeah. them. The Knicks outplayed yeah. them. I was going to say, but that doesn't take any credit away from what the Knicks did. The Knicks outworked them right from the start. And you mentioned the first two games. The Knicks were winning at halftime of the first two games. Yeah. Like it was a tale of uh, two halves, and it was eerily reminiscent of everything that's happened in the past few seasons. And Rebecca Harlow even mentioned it uh, last night when she interviewed Woodson at halftime. The third quarter has always been the problem. Mm -hmm. The Knicks got smoked in the third quarter against the Sixers. They scored 14 points, 26 to 14. They got outscored mm -hmm. against the Pacers. They scored 16 points, 27 to 16. They got yep. outscored yeah, even up. against the Bucks. Yeah. They were up double digits at halftime against the Bucks. They come out in the third quarter and probably even still as a fan, someone as pessimistic as me, I know by nature, I'm like, I'd, you know, I'm still a little concerned about the third quarter because it's us. And they come out and they put up 35 and outscore right. them again in the third quarter. And it's like, shit, man, things have changed. Like, right. holy shit. <laughs> right. The fact that they did that, it was like, okay. Yeah, they came out right away, put the foot on the throat, and were like, no doubt about it. Yeah. Like, that was great to see. But to go to Alfred Payton when, when they talked about uh, how he was out there shooting and that was just great to hear that he was working on his game and you know before that game he like you said he was so bad I, I mean just it was shockingly bad because you knew he you knew he was not a shooter obviously right. but you knew he wasn't as bad as going three of 13 yeah one of four on threes through two games he was just brutal through two games he had nine points and it wasn't just nine points. He had uh, seven, sorry, seven points. And it wasn't just the seven points. He had four assists and five turnovers. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything. Nothing. Yeah. It, it was just, 
so it, it felt like a mental thing after those two games. And he obviously, like they say, came, worked on his game, worked on his shot. And Breen talked about during the game how fans were upset with him. And we know, obviously, we're on Twitter. He was getting killed. And yes, he was. On the last episode, we killed him. I'm yes, not going to act did. like we didn't kill him. We killed him during the last episode. For him to go 12 of 16, 27 points, I mean, Jesus. And three of three on threes, that was such an impressive game by him. Um, I don't think it's uh, realistic or to expect the Knicks to make 60% of their threes on a, on a nightly basis. They went 16 of 27. I mean, that was an insane percentage. Uh, I looked it up. Uh, over the past five seasons, the Knicks have made 16 three-pointers in a game 10 times. Wow. Uh, that Bucks game was the 11th time. But, I mean, they, they just haven't been a three-point shooting team. So. Right. But they, uh, it, it was just great to see Peyton put on a game like that. But the thing about Randall, and Randall, you brought up how good he's been, and he's just been so much better with Tibbs there. I mean, it's a small sample size, but 23.7 points, 55.3% from the field, 55.6% from three is – 6.3 assists, which is the best part of that whole thing, and 10 rebounds. He's just been so good. And I know everyone's talking, like, obviously his contract's up, and you even alluded to that, like, you know, trading him for an asset because he's not a number one. But it's like uh, – and I think uh, Macri kind of talked about it in his newsletter. When or – if or when you trade Randall – then what happens when R.J. Barrett inevitably has an off night because he's 20 years old? Because right. that's what 20-year-olds do. They have off nights. Your like offense – too. Yeah, like he did in game two. Your offense is going to be so bad when R.J. Barrett is the only guy who can create his own shot. Mm -hmm. And because, I mean, Alec Burks is going to be traded. We don't know about Julius Randle, but we know Alec Burks is going to be traded. So if Julius Randle gets traded too – you can't complain when this team puts up 85 to 90 points on a regular basis because that's what's going to happen without right. him. So uh, it's just going to be ugly. And if you want to watch that kind of basketball, if you're willing to, after watching what we watched last night and, like you said, being so excited after what we've seen for so long, are you really willing to watch that? Yeah. I'm not sure I am. If Randall is going to continue to play this way, which it looks like he is, do we really want to trade him? I mean, it's not like it's not like trading him is going to make a difference between what twenty-five wins and twenty-two wins. Yeah, like is it really tanking to trade him? Right. What's and and what are you going to get for him? Are you going to get an unprotected first-round pick for Julius Randall? Who's it's what are you getting? I, that's a good question. That, that's a good question because it's like other sports, right? Like baseball, whatever. You, you can get a massive package for a player like him. You know, football. You saw Rays just got for Blake Snell. Exactly. You know, you, you get massive package for your best players when you ship them on. And even for those teams that are looking. Not that Randall better, is Blake Snell, but right. a young winner. But, yeah, he's – I think they could obviously move Randall because he's an expiring but I just don't think it – if he continues to play it, like he's not going to continue to play at a 
55% from the field and uh, rate probably and 82% free throw percentage rate. But I just think trading him may not be worth it because you may not be able to get an equal asset or something like that. And maybe don't pursue a trade as hard as you were before if he's going to keep this up. And if he continues to play as well with RJ as he has been, why be so consistent on moving him? Because, I mean, you just – obviously you like what you've seen from him so far. He's been really consistent. I, I mean, I know there's been moments of him sneaking in where he's been trying to force things, like particularly in those certain I, – I, now that I think about it, consistent might be the wrong word. Because in those third quarters, when we did struggle, like we talked about before – he has kind of taken upon himself to try and force shots and get the team back into the game. He does have moments of that. But I feel like, you know, it's been three games. That kind of thing can be coached out of a player. And I don't know. I And I realize I'm doing like a total 180 or whatever on Julius Randle here, totally backpedaling on the guy. And I'm not saying don't trade him under any circumstances, but I feel like be smart right now – yeah, right now, yeah, be smart about it. Yeah, like before I would have said, just get the guy the hell out of here. I would have said, I would have agreed with the people who were like, shoot him into the sun, fuck it. Yeah. Right. Now maybe, I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but maybe be careful about it. You know, he's not untouchable, of course, but man, it's been, and I know it's a stupid fan thing to say, but it's just been good to watch competitive basketball again. Right, And I feel like if we trade Julius Randle, as long as we have Randle, there's going to be competitive basketball. But if we don't have him anymore, it's going to be a lot of ugly losses again. You know, and, and you talked about it in that, that third quarter or coming out to the third quarter because what we have seen the first two games, right? You know, in that Milwaukee game, it come out in the third quarter and the first few minutes I'm watching and I'm thinking, oh God, like let's not have that third quarter we had the first two nights. And when they go out, they score 35 points. They had that big lead last year. I, I kid you not. Even when we have gone into fourth quarter last year, I would say, we're going to blow it. We're going to blow it. I, I think I tweeted it out. We're up 15-16. We're going to blow it. And we blew it. When we went into that fourth quarter, there was not a single doubt in my mind we weren't going to win that game last night. It, it Watching it and, and enjoying it, I felt to myself, we're going to win. I mean, we're, we're just out playing. We're, we're taking it to them. And it wasn't even that long in the fourth quarter when they waved the white flag and benched their entire starting five because they were getting their tail whooped. It was incredible, Chip. And I'll tell you this, they were talking about it on the podcast, uh, the podcast, the broadcast, uh, Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier. And I even, I was watching it with my fiance and I kept thinking to myself, can you imagine this place right now? If fans were allowed in the stands, it would have been chaos in the garden. It would have been so loud in there and it would have even made it that much better. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the cameras would have been shaking on the screen from the excitement from how well they were playing. 
especially somebody like Peyton to have a performance that he did. He would have got when Neil Akina hit his first three, the, oh, play, God. the roof would have blown up the fucking when place. he was four for four. He might have got a chance. I mean, it would have been unbelievable. And they even talked about that like a few you know minutes after I said that. They were like, you know, can you imagine if, if fans were here and, and Clyde said, I wouldn't have been able to even hear you. It would have been that loud. It would have been a, that exciting. And I know, look, we had some big wins before. I don't know why. I, 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 I don't. Maybe it's because we haven't had Nick basketball in so long, right? We had to wait forever to see them tip off and get back into action again. It could be that. Last night was one of the funnest games that I can remember in a long time. That Przingis game was fun. Beating Houston last year was fun. This was – like, I don't know, maybe it's early in the season, but I'm watching it, and like, as you said, all we're asking is be be competitive. You know, don't get your butts whooped. Don't get your butt kicked. Yeah, they had a letdown in the third quarter in those first two games, but they were doing some things well, and it's it's nice to see because we talked about this all off season For the first time in a long time as well, Chip, I feel like this is a franchise that has a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here claiming – we're turning it around right now. Everything is fixed. Everything's great, grand, and wonderful. That's still not the case because I still hate to break it to you. As fun as last night was, we're not going to be winning a whole lot of basketball games this year. I, I want to pump the brakes on that. But I have the feeling for the first time in a long time that this team is heading in the right direction. I, I think they're absolutely heading there, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And, I, I mean, I want to I see more you know, as these guys start to get healthier as well. I want to see uh, quickly back in action, see him get minutes. You know, he's been very exciting, has been a, a playmaker, you know, with assist-wise. Uh, maybe not his field goal percentage, not there yet. That's going to come. He'll start hitting those shots. But at least getting out there and creating for others has been, has been nice. And then, of course, you know, people want to see Toppin out there. So hopefully his calf injury isn't something that lingers or anything like this. But so far, three games in, I, shit, this is a lot different than the last couple of seasons when we're sitting here three games in going, is the season over yet? That's what it felt like. I mean, we didn't give a crap about the next game. We were thinking, oh, gosh, here we go again. That's what it was. I am thrilled and excited to watch this game tomorrow against Cleveland. And that's kind of where I want to transition, Chip, talking about moving forward here. We We – Seen a couple of games. Obviously, there's going to be things that change throughout the season. We're all, we, you know, teams are going to be very different in a month from now. It's just the way it is when they get settled in, they get the rotation, all those things. But we can see some things right now that the Knicks still struggle with. And, again, that was a dominant post figure. We got Cleveland coming up tomorrow. Cleveland's got dominant post figures. Andre Drummond, he's been putting up some gaudy numbers. Kevin Love, if he's healthy. Still capable of getting you 15 and 10. Post players have seemed to be the issue. What can the Knicks do to fix those woes? Perimeter-wise, I think they've done a pretty good job for the most part. I mean, they're not giving wide open threes like they've had in the past. And when they do, we've seen Tibbs chew out somebody from not getting out on the rotation. What do we got to do to fix the issue of stopping the paint? Because I feel like Giannis – the thing was we could just foul him and go to the free throw line and he wasn't making his free throws. He was off, just not hitting his free throws. So he didn't dominate inside the post. I think that's one reason why we look so good against Milwaukee, but we will face a team now that has dominant post scores. What do the Knicks need to do to get going uh, defensively from the perimeter? I mean, uh, for the interior. 
Well, as far as Mitch goes, as far as uh, Drummond, because like you said, he's been so dominant. When they played during the preseason, Mitch really struggled with mm-hmm. fouling. But he's been really good so far during yes. the regular season. He just played 35 minutes against the Bucks, two fouls. And Brooke Lopez is a vet, really smart player, and he didn't struggle there at all. So he just needs to keep playing like that against Drummond because Drummond always tries to draw a lot of fouls regardless of, uh, going, regardless of whether he struggles from there a lot at all. So I think that Mitch just needs to keep playing the way he's been playing. But as far as the, that, the way they handle the Bucs, too, the, the Cavs don't play like the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs take as many or more threes than anybody. The Cavs are 29th right now in three-point attempt rate. Mm. So it's a different offense. Um, Colin Sexton's been playing out of his mind. Three-game sample size, but he's been really, really good. The Cavs are undefeated, which is obviously shocking. 3-0. and They just crushed the Sixers. Yeah. Um, which Embiid didn't play. Yeah, Embiid didn't play, but they still crushed the Sixers. They did. And... I mean, they've just been very impressive. And I I think the main thing is that Mitch needs to keep playing the way he's playing uh, defensively. That's always going to be the main thing for them to keep up because they're always going to struggle to score. Uh, but they're going to have to play really well defensively to uh, compete with any team they play against because that's where the Cavs have been strongest. Their defense has been awesome. Yeah, So it's I, I think they're going to have to – uh, compete defensively, and it's going to be hard for them to score if the Cavs keep playing the way they've been playing. I mean, the I know the Sixers aren't a world-beating offense, but they only managed 94. And like you said, I know they had Embiid. But still, it's uh, – obviously, they need – offensively against the Cavs, I think having Randall would be big for them. Um to go uh, to keep playing and play his playmaker role that he's been doing. I think uh, drawing someone like Andre Drummond, perhaps away from the rim. If he, you can play Randall at the five when Drummond is out there, that'd be smart. I'm not sure if Tibbs is going to be willing to do that. I don't know if he'll want to, but I think that offensively, I really like the matchup for RJ because I think he'll be out there a lot with the smaller backcourt with Sexton and Garland. And mm-hmm. I think he can feast against those guys because Tibbs will be playing RJ at yeah. the two sometimes, and he'll be playing him in an initiator role and he'll be out there. He'll be matched up with smaller guards and those guys can't guard anybody. So as good as Sexton is offensively and Garland has shown at times he can shoot the ball too. So I think it's, going to be good for RJ because he'll also be challenged on defense too. But uh, I like the game for RJ. If I was uh, betting on that game, I'd take the over on whatever RJ's points is. That's for sure. And, and I, I, I might be taking them DraftKings wise. Uh, you're on four in my lineup. I took them, yeah. I took them the, 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 the uh, Philly game, right. You know, I, I took them opening night just because it was a good value pick, got great points and his value went up significantly. Like his, his money wise on your budget that you have to build your team and I picked him obviously didn't work out that night I didn't go with him uh in the in the Milwaukee game and he had a nice bounce back I thought Tripp you put out a tweet that you know 
is 100% true with him is you can't judge a 20-year-old off of one bad night type thing. And I think that's really true because, you again, a lot of emotions, frustration after the loss, after the way he played. Um, you know, people say, oh, he ain't it. I, I've seen that again, more Nick Facebook because they're crazy, I'm telling you. Um, but, you know, it was nice to see him bounce back and play as well as he did. He, he got off to a fast start in that Milwaukee game, had 10 points early on in the game and, and, and really kind of played within control, played well. Um, for me, Chip, in this, this Cleveland game coming up, it, it's, I just want to see them build off of from what they had, right? We've seen a big win last year, right? We've seen multiple big wins, and then the next game they come out flat as can be, and we're scratching our heads going, where the hell was that team that was out there the, the other night? You know, I don't want to see them take that step back. I would love to see them come out fast and play well and, again, just be that competitive team that be right there. You know, again, I think Cleveland certainly has, you know, those, those go-to guys with Drummond and, and Kevin Love and, uh, you know, those guys might be the better overall players, but you know if you play with that same intensity that you've had in the first quarters of those first games, and then the way you played in Milwaukee, Chip, I don't understand. We should be winning some of these basketball games, and we can beat a Cleveland team. Yes, they're playing good basketball too. I think, as you pointed out, I think it would be surprising to say, "Well, they're three and zero." You wouldn't think that's the case with them. You know, you kind of look at this game early on and go, "Okay, this might be the only chance to win a game." you know, with the early stretch of the, I, I'll admit that when I looked at the Knicks first, you know, six, seven games or so, didn't say it was a win against Cleveland, but my reaction was that might be the only win we have in the first seven games. Well, we got a win against Milwaukee and you can argue that, you know, we really could have won that Philly and Indy game. I mean, they were right there, just had a bad third quarter in both those games. They cleaned that up. Can we build off of it? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing uh, tomorrow night against Cleveland. And, and Chip, uh, before we wrap it up, just want to get your, your any closing thoughts, anything else that you want to add from what you have seen so far the first few games from the Knicks? Just we didn't talk too much about Neil Aquina. And, I mean, just it was great to see him come into the game and go four, four on threes like that. And I'm just – it's going to be interesting to see how Tibbs moves forward with the guard rotation there, because I don't think there's any possible way you can keep Frank out of the rotation now Mm -hmm. and quickly coming back versus coming back. I think both those guys are going to play, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the rotation, because I don't think there's any way that rivers is going to be out of it. Yeah. He's such a Tibbs guy. They know each other well, obviously. So he's going to get a shot. Quickly has earned a shot, I think. And Frank, I, I think maybe, you know, maybe he'll be out of the rotation still. It was one game, but I really think he'll be in there. And I think DSJ at this point is probably shit out of luck because he's the only guy who has, he's the only guard who hasn't proven anything. So I think right. it's, I think it's safe to assume that Frank will be playing. I think he absolutely needs uh, yeah. to be the first guy off the, the bench because he earned it from the way he played uh, against Milwaukee. 19 minutes and did exactly what we asked. We, we need him to do. He was aggressive. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting now because Peyton's obviously going to continue to start. But when quickly gets healthy and if Peyton's still starting, like who do you want coming off the bench first? Do you still want like 
Frank or do you still want Quickly? Like, who do you want there? I mean, right. I, I, I'd be okay with either guy. I don't really care. Yeah, I, I guess I prefer Frank a little bit just because he's a veteran. He's a little older. I, I doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, but uh, I know there's people who would go to bat for Frank on that one, who would die for Frank. But I'd be fine with it as long as Frank is in the rotation. I think he's really earned a spot there. So I'm I was happy to see that from him. And it was funny because it was kind of I get the feeling from like when you listen to Clyde talk about Frank at times. I don't think Clyde's very impressed with Frank either. And he'll say, like, I, I don't get it. Why doesn't he shoot? He's open. Like, shoot the ball. You need to shoot it. And then he shot a ball in the corner, hit that first three. And it's like he has the ability to do it. It's just at times he's hesitant. And it, dri- it drives me crazy, for one. All I want to see him do is look to take the shot. Again, it drove me crazy when people say, well, he's at least shooting the ball. Well, that's great. That's dandy. I need it to go in as well. I'm not asking for him to go four for four. He doesn't need to do that. I don't need him to do that every single night. If he is consistent, if he gets five, six shot attempts and he's hitting three shots, 50% from that, you know, occasionally maybe he has like a two for six day in there. That's not great, whatever. But if they're timely buckets, it helps. That's what we need from him, especially coming off the bench, if that's what he's going to do. And I agree with you, Chip. I I think from the way he played, I think it's a no-brainer for – for Tibbs to call his number for the first guard to come off the bench. He absolutely earned that. Um, I don't want to see Dennis Smith Jr. anymore. I mean, we already seen it. It's not going to work. We can just move on from him. That's where I'm at with it. He needs to be out of the rotation. He does nothing with his opportunities. You know, Frank at times has, has squandered some opportunities, but, you know, he took advantage of his opportunity last night and he earned a little bit more to go out there and show what he can do. So that is a good point. That is something to look, you know, out to see, you know, when, when Peyton goes to the bench or maybe if Peyton isn't playing like he did, you know, against Milwaukee, maybe a little bit colder, you go to Frank, see what he can do and continue to try to build more playing time for himself. Um, I hope that's not the case because again, Chip, I really feel like we are a much better team when we're getting production from our guards. If somebody can, get that offense going, hit those shots. And, again, I'm not asking for Peyton to drop 27. He doesn't need to do that. If he can just have those timely buckets when we need the offense to get going, if he's got to look or Frank, hit that open shot, I think that makes us a much better team when that happens. If we're getting zero production from guard plays, then Tibbs has to put Burks in there or, or, or Barrett to try to get something going from that position. But those guys are not natural fits there. And I think that's where we ran into problems those first two games, especially in the third quarter. None of, nobody gave production at that position. Anybody who tried, we need these guards to play consistently. Don't have to put 27. I can't stress that enough. Just be consistent. If they do that, Chip, I think we'll be all right. Well, I think the best argument for the people who want Frank to stay off the court is that he doesn't make shots. So if he's going to keep making shots, what's – What's keeping Frank off the court? That's it for me. And That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, yeah. I, again, I don't need him 20 points. I just go, you know, take – if you take six, seven shots a game, I'm asking you hit about three to four. You do that, you did your mm-hmm. job. That's it. That's all we need. And as far – like, he's been playing off the ball a little bit. So, you could argue he's been a wing more than he's been a point guard. I don't mm-hmm. even think there is an argument. He has been a wing. 
more than a point guard this year. And you look at him, and I know it's obviously a small sample size, but, I mean, you look at a guy like Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock's uh, – he's just been – Five, you know, five of 14 on threes. He's been league average, 35.7 on threes. You know, that's, he's a league average shooter. So, I mean, if Reggie Bullock can be a league average shooter, and I mean, not Reggie Bullock, if Frank Nilakina can be a league average shooter, which maybe he can, if you give him the same opportunities Reggie Bullock does, what's the idea of playing Reggie Bullock over Frank Nilakina? Right. Right. So let's, let's give Frank Nilakina the opportunity to take three and a half, four threes a game. I mean, Reggie Bullock's taking more than that, but maybe give Frank that shot. Yeah. And, and it, when he has the look, he's got – sometimes he just passes up on it. I want to see him shoot it. If he's off, he's off. And you know what? Then, yeah, his minutes are probably going to be reduced that night because we need him to hit those shots. But we got to get him in that, that mindset that when I'm open, I got to shoot the ball. That's, they're leaving me open. I got to hit that shot. You hit that shot, it changes teams' defense because now they ain't going to leave you open, and then it opens up things for everybody else. Same thing for Peyton. You hit those shots, it opens things up for everybody else. When you don't hit that shot, defense focuses on Barrett or Randall. Makes things much more tougher on the offensive end. So I, that's where I'm at. If our guards can shoot the ball and, and consistently score, I think we'll be all right, and we'll win a few more ball games than I thought we would. If Alfred Payton and Frightening Lakina can go seven of seven from three, we're going to be fine. Every my hundred, uh, my ten dollar bet is cashing in, <laughs> and I'm rich, and that's it. The beers are on me if it happens. Okay, <laughs> so but we don't need. We just want to see some consistency here. Last night was a lot of fun. Hoping to have that fun again tomorrow against uh, Cleveland. But Chip, I think that's it for us. I think we'll wrap it up. I think we're planning on doing one later on this week as well. We'll get Danny back. Danny's moving into a new apartment, so he couldn't couldn't be on this show with us uh, today. So we hope to have Danny on with us a little bit later on. And hopefully we're talking about a more a few more Nick wins coming up at the end of the week as well. So um, we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening.